0: And there's so many things that Jesus did and the early church did that we ought to be doing. And we are, I think, but we need to always look for ways to improve and do better, right? And uh, we do some kind of weird stuff here at this church, if you think about it. I mean, we get some, we got all kinds of strange things going on. But they're all focused on winning people to Christ. I mean, where else can you, every time you come to church, you can buy... A pie for lunch or a batch of fudge or some peanut brittle to make you fat, anything you want, just about. All of that money, by the way, goes to our uh, food pantry, if you're wondering. And so every time you buy some of that, it goes to our food pantry. And uh, Not only that, now this is really out there. In our church on Sundays, you can buy hamburger meat. (laughs) I bet there ain't very many churches who can say that and uh we have uh hamburger meat in the freezer and it's all uh grass and grain it's all natural no hormones or antibiotics and i don't know but i know some of y'all have told me this but my wife for instance is a good example she has a severe trouble digesting any kind of beef but she can digest that hamburger meat just right so it makes you think it must be chemicals that are added or something there's nothing added to this and one of our ranchers uh we buy it off basically here's how it works Uh, we pay for the processing and uh put it in the freezer and then we sell it and the proceeds go to our special projects and building fund and we have a lot of fun doing crazy things around here so we even have a big gospel singing last night i mean we did and I believe I believe in in these folks getting healed. I had a, a a pastor I've known for years and years last night tell me that he was in the hospital with COVID for 41 days, and they had to uh, code blue him, you know, two or three times, and and he, they told him at the the last few days, call your family in, you know, there's oxygen went down to like 30, and they couldn't get it back up, and And they thought for sure he was going to die. And he said, all of a sudden, he said, God just healed me and just lifted it off of me. And he said, I know it was God. He said, I found out later. He said, I have a son that's a drug addict. And my son was in the parking lot on his knees promising God and getting off drugs. (laughs) I love things like that because... God still can do everything he's ever been able to do. And he can still save, heal, and deliver, and he's doing it every day. And we've got to remember that and not give up and not get, give in to fear. So we need more events like last night at Kanawha. And if you couldn't be there, I hope you'll put it on your calendar for next year. Uh, it's a real blessing to be there. It's free admission. And it's a big celebration. It's very moving. I mean, I, I'll tell you what. I've, I, this is a true story. I had a preacher come up to me last night and grabbed a hold of me and healed my liver. And I didn't even know it was sick. <laughs> well, it might be, and I just didn't know it. I'm telling you, the Spirit of God was moving last night, and people were really being blessed, and the testimonies that we heard, and the people uh, rallying to the cross, and to the flag, and to the Lord. That's what we need all over America. And we really did have, I don't know, many people that came forward to rededicate their life, or be prayed for, or pray with others and I was very encouraged by that. In Acts chapter 2, I want to read a scripture with you in verse 38. You know, we're Baptists for a reason. You You may or may not know this. Every now and then I try to explain it in case there's someone who hasn't heard it. But Baptists uh, actually originally were called Anabaptists. And the reason is because the Roman Catholic Church baptized babies and taught them they were going to heaven. And the disciples of Jesus Christ all the apostles and the preachers that they ordained and so forth and so on they didn't teach that they said you have to choose for yourself whether you're a follower of christ and so they didn't want to baptize babies because they didn't want to confuse them they wanted them to choose for themselves to follow christ and be baptized And so because they were anti-child baptism or infant, I should say, infant baptism, they were called anti-Baptists, right? And that's where the term originally came from. Down through the years, it turned into just Baptists. And, you know, you can be a Baptist and believe just about anything can I get an amen (laughs) but on Wednesday nights we have a class here that teaches what Baptists traditionally believe one thing about true Baptist churches is we don't have a written what you call a creed where you pledge to believe exactly this or that and the other and follow this and this person or this church, whatever. We don't have a creed. Here's what we have. We say our creed is the New Testament. That's what we say. Our creed is the New Testament. That it's all about Jesus. All. Everything we do is in Jesus' name. Did you know that Baptists only believe there's one God. That's Jesus Christ. We believe that he exists in a mysterious way. He can, the Bible calls him an invisible God. The Bible says no man has seen God. But then Jesus said, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. Wait a minute. So it's pretty mysterious. We can't quite grasp it is the truth of the matter. And so Jesus is God. God is Jesus. The Father is Jesus and the Son is the Father. And the Spirit of God is the Holy Spirit and it's all one. There's only one God. And so a lot of things are semantics. I'm trying to explain this because one of the biggest problems we're facing in America today is people want to rationalize and intellectualize everything. And there are some things you just can't quite get. And that is the true nature of God. When you get to heaven, I firmly believe, Brother Mike, when we get to heaven... We're going to understand and suddenly we will grasp the true nature of God. But right now, all we need to know is that God sent his son, his only begotten son. That means his only birthed son. And he came to earth and he became human so he could experience every emotion that we feel. He could experience every temptation that we feel. He could experience every pain that we feel. He also understood human relationships. And he walked up Calvary and sacrificed God's one and only lamb for all of our sins. And the early church highly regarded this and and Jesus taught that we should be baptized. And I've had this question posed to me lots of times. If you got saved and then died before you were baptized, would you go to heaven? I don't particularly care for hypothetical situation questions. Here's what I believe. God knows. And if I got truly saved and gave my life to Jesus Christ, God has a plan for me. And I, I, uh, I, I had grew up with some different contradictions. One of the reasons, I guess, is because, like Tisha and Mary Fay, all of you guys, uh, traveling around since we were little bitty kids singing in every different kind of church. You know, you'd go to one church and they're telling you to hold on. You'd go to another church they're telling you to let go. But what I grew to understand throughout life, it doesn't re- none of that is so relevant. What matters is Jesus. And it's they're just different ways of expressing different ways of expressing. Do you know in the name of actually means by the authority of That's what it actually means. His name wasn't Jesus anyway. His name was Yahshua. You know what I'm saying? And then I could say, his name was Jesus, and both statements would be correct because one is a translation in English and one is the original in Aramaic. And so that's why Some people are so confused about us church folks. we got all these rules and terms, and, you know, we talk about being sanctified and justified and everything else. The world doesn't understand that. Lost people or people that even church people don't really understand those terms unless they go to class and really learn the definition of the words. And so a lot of what we need to be doing today is just loving people and praying with people and teaching them that he wants them to turn from their way, follow his way, and be baptized. You know, this is what he did. And this is we're kind of back to that point again. I never thought I'd see the day in my lifetime when America becomes the biggest mission field on earth, where there's more lost people per capita than just about anywhere. And a lot of it is because the church kind of backed down when we should have been stepping forward over the last 50, 60 years. That's one reason. You know, there's been a lot of ministries that have crashed and burned because of scandal. People use that as an excuse. I mean, they'll do that here too. I've been here a long time. I've made some mistakes i've done i've said things you know i had a lady cu- i had a lady one time say that preacher cussed me out what yeah he told me to get out of his dang office well i probably did but it's kind of debatable whether that's getting cussed out or not i mean i maybe it is People will dig up anything or remember anything that will get them out of worshiping the Lord, and I can't relate to that. I don't know why people don't want to go to church. Maybe it's boring. Well, it's not too boring around here. We try to keep it pretty exciting. You never know what might happen next. And so, you know, maybe it's always beaten Brow-beating about money. Well, we don't really do that here. We talk about money. We believe in giving tithes and offerings, and we even buy bake sale and hamburger meat. But, you know, nobody is like bonking you on the head, give more, give more. That never happens here. All over the United States, the church needs to rise up because it is almost too late. I've stopped saying before it's too late. I'm starting to say it's almost too late. And what does too late mean? There's going to come a day when the door is going to shut. There's going to come a day when they say that's him. There's going to come a day when the trumpet's going to sound. The earth is going to begin to shake. There's going to come a day when our very own government is going to try to close every church house. They already tried it. They're going to have a different angle next time. The early church said in verse 38, Peter was preaching to them. And he first started off with the word repent. And that is a word that it's not real popular today you know if my people who are what called by my name will humble themselves and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways Uh uh-oh that's the part we forget we want to skip right to pray if my people will humble themselves and pray wait a minute You left out, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways. And I do that all the time, too, just because my memory's not that great. But really, those are the two most important things of all. You don't seek the face of God when you're ashamed for him to see you. And you don't turn from your wicked ways unless you Repent. And the Bible says, if my people, he's talking about his people. He's not talking about the people out there that don't know Christ. We have to remember we should not expect lost people to behave like saved people. And we should not expect saved people to behave like lost people. I didn't get an amen on that one. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I, don't you have to have self-discipline in your life? I know I do. We have to have self-discipline in our life. We have to keep the main thing the main thing. We have to focus on trying to do what God wants us to do. And the first thing Peter says here in his sermon, repent. You see, I think we can repent over and over and over and over throughout our life. Now, let me explain that. First of all, we repent for salvation. And that's what starts our life with Christ. But Paul said, my human side, I have to fight all the time. My human side's having to repent of behavior all the time to stay close to God. And so this is something all Christians deal with. Sometimes it's just a mind thing, letting our thoughts overtake us and our fear. That's the biggest thing I'm seeing right now in America is fear. People are afraid. What's going to happen next? And rightfully so. It's pretty fearful out there. But we're called to be a peculiar people. We're called to be different. One of the greatest ways that you can be different today is to let people see that you're not afraid. Because you have peace in your heart that only Jesus can give. And that's actually, think about this, it's actually a form of repentance when we consciously decide we're not going to live in fear. That's a form of repentance because the devil wants us in fear. Other people who want to manipulate us and put us down and make us feel like we're not good enough, or want to keep us from what God has called us to do. Hey, I I know when I started preaching, I knew I wasn't any good. I hope I'm a little better now. But just because I wasn't good at it doesn't mean I should quit it. You know, when you start singing, you know, Charlotte and I grew up singing, but we really didn't sing together very much. And I'm telling you, when we first started singing together, there was quite a long learning curve there. Uh, it's different, isn't it, Tisha, when you're out there solo singing, ministering, and then all of a sudden you're singing with other people all the time. I mean, it's like circle of friends. I mean, it's a whole different thing. And it takes time. It takes sometimes years. Years. You know, I didn't know the Bible as well as I do now when I started here when I was 20 years old. Mick Scott would stand up and recite the whole Bible practically, and I thought, oh, my goodness, I'll never be able to do that. And he was a deacon here and taught the Sunday school class. And, and uh, so sometimes we look up to people and we think, oh, I can never i got to get out of here. But Jesus said, no, I called you, and I'm going to teach you. And you need to be patient. Did you know it took Noah a hundred years to build the ark and he still hadn't hardly convinced anybody that it was going to rain? And I've been saying all my life and I'm getting closer to a hundred all the time. Jesus is coming back. The door is going to shut. There will be nothing left like there is now. You need to get ready. Get your life ready. Repent of the things that don't please the Lord in your life. Get closer and closer and closer because not only do we want to make it inside the door, we want to hear, well done. And so this is our goal, and this is our purpose. And Peter, he cried, repent. John the Baptist cried, repent. Philip's told the Ethiopian, you must repent, didn't he? And this says very clearly, repent, be baptized in the name of Jesus. We're not baptized in the name of of the church we're not baptized in the name of the preacher we're not baptized in the name of our parents we're not baptized in the name of whatever evangelist led us to the lord we are baptized in the name by the authority of jesus christ and i'm telling you that is the way for christians to start a life serving the Lord. That's the first step is being saved. The second step is to be baptized in the by the authority of Jesus Christ. Your sins will be remitted. Wow. I just can't express how that much that means to me. That my sins are going to be remitted. Remitted means forgiven, wiped out, paid for. Okay? If somebody, it's an old-fashioned term, and it's, if someone brings you the check, you know, all of, maybe me and Charles and and Hicks, and we're at the table, maybe Gerald, and we're all at the table, and somebody brings the check, oh, we're fighting over it. Maybe. You ever seen that commercial, like they're all holding their hands back, Mm mm-hmm. Here's what Jesus did. He jumped out there ahead of everybody, and he picked up the ticket, and it has been remitted. Amen? And he did that, and so that's why he wants us to repent and be baptized and follow him. That's why we're called Baptists, because we believe we've got to make our own choice. Nobody can make it for us. And the early church had some things we could all learn from. He gave everybody involved the promise. That's what it says in the next scripture, verse 39. He says, for the promise is unto you. Now, wait a minute. He doesn't really tell us what that means. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. He's referring to something he had said earlier. Earlier in his sermon, he he talked about the promise and it's up in verse thirty three. He said, I give you the promise of the Holy Ghost. And then he says in verse thirty nine, the promise is for you and it's for your children it is for everybody. He says, Look at this. The promise is to you and your children, to everyone in far off countries, even as many as the Lord will call all over the world, you get the Holy Ghost. Everybody that receives Christ and repents and follows Him and baptized in the name of Jesus will receive the Holy Spirit. It's a promise. And so the world is confused how we could be so different. I don't know how to say this without sounding insulting. I'm not trying to sound insulting, so please forgive me if I do. But today, people are doing all kinds of crazy things to their body, all kinds of things because they want to express their individualism. I'm saying it's past that point. That is not individualism anymore. That is like common. You want to express your individualism? Let me tell you how you can really do it. Repent of your way and say, I'm going to go God's way. That is the one true individual statement you can make that will impact everybody around you. And say, my life's not going to be that way anymore. I'm not going to the places I used to go to. I'm not going to do the things I used to do. And you know what? If a person slips up, God will help you. If you fall in a ditch, the Lord will help you back out. Because now He's on your side. Now He has given you the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost will heal you. The Holy Ghost will pray for you. When you don't even know what to pray, the Bible says that He is interceding for us every day the Holy Spirit will help you learn what to say he said the Holy Spirit will give you utterance when people ask that means you'll have an answer you're not inadequate you might not feel adequate well neither did Moses neither did Noah neither did David and the list is pretty long neither did Randall Christie And I'm not putting myself in their class. I'm saying, when he called me to do the things that he's called me to do, I didn't even know how. You know, because he wants all the glory. He wants all the glory to go to him. Why? That doesn't make God selfish. That doesn't make God, you know, with the wrong motives. The reason all the glory needs to go to him is because he wants all people to be drawn to him. If I be lifted up and if I be glorified, he said, Jesus said, I will draw all people to me. We had this discussion in Sunday school this morning. It's kind of weird to me that uh, you've got the Christ of the Ozarks, largest statue of Jesus, and all around in the valley below are the craziest bunch of weirdos you've ever found in your life. And there's Buddhists, and there's Hindus, and Muslims, and witches' covens, and atheists. I'm telling you, every kind of thing. You know why? Because he said, I'll draw all. He didn't say, I'll just draw the Christians and the church people. And they're looking up the hill at us, and they're saying, that's the craziest bunch of weirdos on the planet. They believe in some make-believe God. Like theirs is real. Or their non-God is anything. And then they attack the statue, and I think, why do you attack something that's not real? Now, the statue's not God, but it's a symbol of Jesus. It's not an idol because we do not worship it. You know, the the first two commandments says, you shall not have any other gods but me. Nor will you make any other gods to worship but me. That's the first two commandments. And just because it said, do not make a graven image, people say, well, uh, those are idols. No, that's not the purpose of an idol. That is not the definition of an idol. An idol is something you worship. All right? A work of art is not. And the symbol of Jesus on that hill is drawn satanic action Like you can't believe. Right here in this community, we have built this church with the steeple and the cross and the praying hands. And we've lifted up Christ. And this church has been attacked on every hand from people all around. They'll tell stories. They really love to tell lies about me. And if they don't have anything real, you know, like I cuss them out saying, dang, then they'll make something up. Why? Because Satan is going to attack where God is working the most. Where's the heat of the battle? It's on the front line. It's not back there in the back where everybody's just laying back and resting. It's on the front line. If the battle is coming to you, praise God for it. You've got the Holy Ghost to fight that battle. And the Holy Ghost is going to help you. One of the biggest battles I've had with that in my life is I have a real high, a hot temper. Or I used to. Now I'm kind of mellow. I did not get an amen from Susie on that. I don't know why. She said, don't lie in church. She's signing, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know if you can relate to this. But a lot of times in my life when people kind of attack me verbally, and it's really spiritual warfare, I've had a tendency to really lash back real hard. And I have to really work on that all the time, not to do that. Hey, there's a time for that once in a great while, but not as often probably as we... The way we react determines our witness. This is why he said, Repent, be baptized, follow me. Your sins will be remitted, and you'll get the promise of the Holy Ghost that is for you and everyone everywhere that receives Jesus Christ in your heart. He wants to change your heart. He said, I stand at your heart's door and knock, and if you'll open the door, I'll come in. Every night at uh, the Great Passion Play, we have a sculptor, and he tells this story. I like his illustration. He says, you've seen that painting where Jesus is standing at the door knocking. Notice there's no doorknob on the outside. And, you know, this is still true. Even if you've been saved and you know it, time and time again throughout your life it's really good to renew your vows to Jesus Christ you are the bride of Christ to re promise yourself to him The promises unto you and your children and all that are afar off and every one that the Lord shall call and with many other words did he testify. So Peter evidently was a real long-winded preacher. I'm trying to emulate Peter. He said good job. Somebody said good job. And with many words did he testify and exhort and said save yourself from this wicked generation and they gladly received his words and they were baptized and thousands were added to the church through these messages of peter and the movement of the holy spirit and we're in the most wicked of all generations after the flood we are living in the most wicked of all generations except before the flood When the twisted and the perverted have become the glorified. When the wicked and the evil is creating the wealth of our nation. When the things that are ungodly have taken precedent over the things that made America strong. And we're living that right now. The good news is this. Just like with Peter's words, people out there are hungry for our words. They want to hear, Jesus is helping me through this. Jesus healed my body. Jesus saved my soul. Jesus forgave me of my sins. They want to hear it out loud. There's people everywhere just waiting for us to pray with them and share Christ with them. I want to be more like the early church and receive the promise of, of the Holy Ghost. Would you stand with me?